Hello, and welcome to This Week Explain. I'm Tiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kervin. And believe it or not, <laughs> you guys, there's been another week of global news, and it means that there is another episode of This Week Explained with all the intelligence and the insights that you crave. So let's get started, Kervin. What's on your radar this week? That was that was great. <laughs> another, <laughs> who would have thought we'd who have another? Who would have thought that the world just keeps doing world things <laughs> yeah so we are gonna i mean obviously we're gonna talk russia ukraine um it's still it's just gonna be a russia heavy episode a lot of things going on this week uh, we'll talk about china's envoy that was sent to the ukraine uh and then get into the turkish elections which went to a runoff they'll have a an election later this month and, and then moldova uh, their government is worried about a new governor that was elected in um, a small region in Moldova. Moldova is so, already a small region. Well, and this is this is yeah, this even is even smaller region. Definitely, but um, but it does hold some power because of the the, type, the person who was elected and who mm-hmm. they side with. Um, after that, we'll talk about Iran and Russia. They are talking about more weapons deals and helping each other out. Well, in the episode talking about North Korea, which I don't think we talked about in the last couple of weeks. Um, right. But, but they're back in the news and we'll talk about their new spy satellite. Before I start asking you a bunch of questions, I just want to say that whenever you said um, China sent an envoy to the Ukraine, I had to stop myself from saying <laughs> the Ohio State the University. <laughs> the Louisiana State University. Yeah. So, anyways, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't say the right school for you. But I always hear I hear more people say the Ohio State University than the Louisiana State University. Yeah, it, it yeah. is the Ohio State. So. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm a traitor. Okay. <laughs> so what is the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Well, it's uh, so the war continues and uh, and it's starting to, to ratchet up a bit. There are a, a series of attacks on Ukraine's capital, Kiev, um, and that was from Russia launching a barrage of missiles. Now, Kiev's authorities have said that they successfully destroyed all the incoming missiles, but debris was said to have caused some damage in two districts. Did Russia use their hypersonic missiles in this latest attack? They did, and that's, uh, you know, Ukraine said that they did shoot those down once again. And what system are they using to shoot down these missiles? So they're mainly using the Patriot missile defense system given to them by the U.S. That is what I thought. And I asked this because there are conflicting reports that Russia targeted that specific defense system. And they claim that they destroyed it. So what do you know about that? And if it was destroyed, what damage does that do to Ukrainian defenses? Yes, just like you said, conflicting reports uh, from all sides. So Russia said they uh, they targeted and destroyed the Patriot missile defense system. Ukraine said that the system was targeted but received no damage. The U.S., uh, they're a part of, of this sort of conflicting reporting. They sent a team of experts, um, and, and that team of experts said that the system had been damaged, but it was still operational. 
All right, let's get to the question of the effect that will have on Ukraine's defense. Starting with, if we believe Russia and the system is destroyed, how does this impact the war in Ukraine? I mean, that would be significant. Uh, Ukraine received two Patriot missile defense systems, one from the U.S., um, and since the U.S. sent experts to look at it, I'm just going to assume that the U.S. system was the one that was targeted. Right. The other system came from Germany uh, and the Netherlands jointly. Um, now, the Patriot missile system is one of the best missile defense systems currently being used around the world. While the manufacturer, Raytheon, in the U.S. has not been able to verify that it can detect and stop a hypersonic missile, if we're going to identify that Russian Kinjal missile as a hypersonic, then we pretty much can verify that the Patriot missile can at least detect and intercept that sort of hypersonic missile. And we kind of talked about that last week, you know, when we, yeah. we talked about sending sending stuff to Ukraine mm -hmm. and the benefits that it has. So now seeing we can it work, seeing yep. it work in a real in a real war scenario. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now the U.S. can take that information and use it in a future war. But if it is destroyed, that gives Russia an opportunity to do further attacks on Kiev with little pushback. Um, it could be a huge moment and a huge change of fortunes in the war. So what if the system is just damaged? Does that diminish how Kiev can protect itself? Uh, yeah, so I'll say yes and no. And, and I say yes because at some point the system's going to need to be taken offline and repaired. Uh, the U.S. has said that the system's radar device is fine, which is that's a very important component of the Patriot missile. It's the piece that allows it to detect incoming missiles. Okay. So if that were damaged, it would basically be rendered useless because it can't detect incoming. Um, and that's where the no answer comes into play. If the radar is still working and missiles can still be fired, then Ukraine's going to be fine. So who do you believe in this instance? I mean, maybe this is because I'm an American, but I would lean <laughs> towards the United States on right. this one. Right. Um, and Somewhere I in the middle. It's like two yeah. sides of the story, <laughs> yeah. and then the U.S. has the middle ground. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And if it had, and you just got to look at it logically, if it had been destroyed, you know, we'd be hearing rumblings from both Ukraine and the United States. Yeah, that'd be, they, I feel like. Especially because Zelensky has not been shy about asking for more yeah. equipment. I think I think if it was actually destroyed, he would be a little bit more open about it. Definitely. He'd be asking and then he'd be one, you know, the, the questions would come out about how they're going to return the system to action or, or you know, get right. that new system and deploy it. It would, it would actually be quicker, you know, if it was destroyed and they had to send a new system out, it would be quicker uh -huh. because you don't have to train again. Right. The Ukrainians understand how to use it now. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen any of that happen. Uh, and, and if the reports are true, Ukraine is still fielding the Patriot missile system against new Russian attacks on Kiev. OK, well, it looks like the battles are heating up again in the war after a slow winter, right? Yeah, and, and spring. And, actually, spring's been kind of. Yeah, it's. Too. It's kind of, and it's all weather dependent, right? You know, this was all predicted when the winter hit. We talked okay. about it all winter, right? Um, that fighting's going to basically be at a standstill until the spring hits in full force, depending on how the weather plays out in the spring. Now, now that the ground is more maneuverable, so we're seeing some intense ground battles ensue, and, you know, possibly Russia preparing to move into Kiev by the summer. 
Right. So let's table this discussion on the war in Ukraine as it intensifies again. And we'll see how it plays out this summer. And of course, it will be the main topic of this podcast until we see peace. Right. And I brought up peace specifically because there is an update to China's peace deal for Russia and Ukraine. What is the latest? Yeah, China's ex- expressed its support for a ceasefire in Ukraine. They've Whoa. Yeah, they emphasized the need for negotiations and trust building between Russia and Ukraine. That that would be a big, a huge move. Right. Ukraine and Russia can get some trust building. That's going to take a lot of time. Uh, Yeah. Despite these efforts, missile attacks, like we were talking about, they continue to escalate. Um, So, you know, China might express support for a ceasefire, but it looks like Russia's not ready for that. But that's why I think China's talking with Ukraine right now. The, The meeting between Ukraine's foreign minister and China's special envoy highlighted Ukraine's stance against territorial concessions in any peace plan. So, they're not, you know, that basically stops the peace deal in its tracks. Right. Because just China wants them to capitulate. Of course. And we've talked, we spoke about that on several occasions. So on the flip side to that, Russia is not going to accept having to return the recently annexed regions in Ukraine. And Ukraine's uh-huh. not going to accept capitulating to Russia by allowing Moscow to keep those regions. So that's where we stand. Is China doing anything to rewrite the peace deal to maybe find a compromise for both countries? They aren't. And and what they're trying to do right now is influence Europe to force Ukraine and Russia to accept some of the stipulations that remain off the table. Mm-hmm. And, and neither country's government has an incentive to agree to a mutually beneficial peace plan at this time. It seems like you chose very specific wording there. Neither country's government... Was that on purpose? Yeah, it definitely was, because the reason to agree to a mutually beneficial peace deal would be for for peace and to protect right. the citizens of those nations from further violence. Right now, the two governments only care about which military is performing better and who has the upper hand in the war. Huh. Exactly. Yeah, huh. like we, we've oh, okay. talked about this previously. Right. The peace deal gets done when one side understands they've lost the war in order to protect its government and its military from a complete collapse. They agree to certain aspects of the deal that may have in the past been off the table. Then we are looking at a long, fierce battle of the wills. Yeah. They're all fighting from a place of ego, it seems like. I mean, yeah, they they definitely It's are. not actually about what they say it's about. They're just yeah. trying to, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and... and you know, where, where Putin had hoped his military could overrun the Ukrainian military, uh-huh. uh, you know, swiftly take over Kiev like he tried to do early in the war. The reality is the, the two nations are set for a protracted war over the next few years unless something changes very soon. <sighs> OK, well, let's get into the Turkish elections. In last week's discussion, it appeared that incumbent President Erdogan was trailing in the polls and could even be defeated without a runoff. That looks to be the opposite of what happened, though. So where does Turkey stand right now in its final results? Yeah, like you said, we talked about it uh, uh, last week, that one of the opposition candidates had bowed out of the elections. Um, and, you know, they put their full support to uh, get towards Erdogan's main opposition. And then as that happened, national polling appeared to show that because of this in last minute decision, Erdogan could lose the election without having to even go to a runoff. 
And not only did that not happen, Erdogan was like a few dozen votes away from reaching the 50% threshold. So what happened? Was polling wrong or were there more sinister acts at play, like voter suppression or ballot dumping? I think, I think it was a little bit of both. I want to be very clear that even the opposition party conceded that the amount of votes that may have been suppressed or counted extra or or were kind of like looked goofy, I would say, right? Uh, it would not have made a difference in the outcome. It, they were that far apart. Huh. But they did say... Um, and the, I think the Turkish government also confirmed that there were thousands of irregularities to the voting. And that shouldn't surprise anyone. It it really shouldn't. But it also should be discussed. Right. You know, we, we need to have those conversations of what was going on there. But like I said, I, I also think that the polling was off. Either the pollsters did not account for Erdogan's popularity in certain groups of the Turkish population uh, either that or, or they just had flawed data. We don't know right now. Um, but I do think the pollsters need to reevaluate how they're doing their polling. Then who is the favorite to win the final election in a couple weeks? So, and, you know, anything can happen in the next couple weeks. But barring a monumental shift in public sentiment, Erdogan does appear poised to win another term as president. Huh. So that's going to mean business as usual in Turkey. And it may even deteriorate the West's already fractured relationship with Turkey. Well, I guess we'll find out in a couple weeks then, won't we? Yep. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Speaking of elections, a small gubernatorial election took place in Moldova. It's making waves across that country. What do we know about that election and the geopolitical implications? Yeah, so we, we spoke before about that autonomous area of Transnistria. And, and so now another autonomous area is causing trouble for Moldova's pro-Europe government. Um, Evgenia Gotal, who's a pro-Russian candidate for governor, they won the race for the autonomous region of Gagosia in Moldova. Um, the victory of Gotal has been tainted by allegations of irregularities in the elections, as we see a lot. Um, but if the win is validated... That pro-Russian party is going to have a seat in Moldova's pro-European cabinet. Well, can you explain some of the irregularities that are being seen in this election? Uh, sure. So Moldova's National Anti-Corruption Center has conducted raids and found irregularities in the voter lists, including names of citizens that had settled outside of the country, as well as deceased individuals that had voted. Sure. I've heard something like that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That does seem to be a common tactic in elections, right? Keeping deceased yeah. individuals on the voter rolls or allowing outside personnel to vote in, a, in an election to swing mm. it one way or another. So is there definitely. any truth that that happened in Moldova? It's so uh, it's definitely a possibility, and I'd put the probability at very high. Uh-huh. Uh, but we, we don't know right now. So all that is just speculation. Now, the People's Assembly of Gagosia, uh 
which that's the local parliament. They did approve Gatal's election victory. Um, they really? issued a declaration of support for the decision. Um, and, and so it's going to move on. And then they're probably going to be in, you know, in the council in Moldova. Putin's, yeah, Putin's wiggling his way into Moldova since you said yep. it's pro-Russian candidate that won. Yep. So let's get into the implications of this election. What should we expect once this election is validated? So the main thing is it strengthens Russia's position and expands its fear of influence within Moldova. Um, it also raises concerns about the stability and unity of that country's government. So it could lead to internal tensions and challenges in implementing a cohesive pro-European agenda. Um, there's going to be no doubt conflicting interests between the pro-Russian and pro-European factions within this government in Moldova. <sighs> okay, well, that's a lot of talk about Russia this week, and we aren't even done discussing what the Russian <laughs> government has been up to. Right. Earlier this week, there were many reports of a classified Senate meeting in the U.S. to discuss Iran. The main focus of that discussion, we found out, is the fact that Iran and Russia are coordinating weapons deals. So... Let's start with your analysis of the situation and then go into what this could mean for Western Europe and the United States. Yeah, you know, I do I do understand why a classified meeting needed to be called to talk about Russia and, and Iran helping each other out. But this is widely known in the public sphere. I mean, everybody knows they're helping each other out. I'm only half joking that they shouldn't be classified. Just open it up and, and let everybody know. Um but there, there were topics that were probably discussed that were highly classified. Um, but the, the fact that those two countries are working together, there's no reason to make a secret meeting about it. <laughs> so what kind of deals were these two countries working on? Well, what we do know is that since August, Iran has provided Russia with more than 400 uh, drones, the, mostly the Shahid drones. And in exchange... Moscow is assisting Tehran with its missile and air defense programs, and it's also selling it fighter jets, among other pieces of equipment. Now, the I other... don't know if I would. I don't know if I would be that excited about them yeah. helping with that, considering they went on and on about their missiles, and the Patriot defense system took them all out of the took sky. It, took it down. Um, so yes. I don't know if that's. <laughs> but if no other country's helping you out. I mean, you got to go yes. to the one I that's going to. I guess it'll give to. you like a baseline of where you should start, like a jumping off point. <laughs> yeah. And and the important thing about the Shahid drones that Iran is providing to Russia, it's actually based off of an American drone. Okay. Um, so it's it's a highly capable uh, unmanned aerial vehicle. Um, but the other issue that was touched on in the meeting was the fact that Iran continues to enrich uranium. And the United States has done nothing to stop this. Well, even worse, in my opinion, they continue to renegotiate the Iran nuclear deal, which I believe only helps Iran gain the ability to create nuclear weapons. Right. And we, we do this all the time. We, we talk about both sides of this and we give credit to anyone and everyone who understands how dangerous this is going to be. I don't care what side the they of the aisle they're on, yeah. Exactly. So I want to highlight something that Ted Cruz said in a speech to the Senate this week. Ted Cruz? We're yeah. highlighting Ted Cruz? Okay. Well, I'm sure I know where he stands on this issue, but what exactly did he have to say about it? Yeah, and, and I, we both despise party politics. 
Right. Where you just go, well, they're wrong for doing this, or they're just wrong be- for just because of the party they're in. Yep. You know, and and in Ted Cruz's statement, there is some of this. I mean, that's why he was making the speech to say the Democrats are doing something wrong. Right, right, right. But pull that, pull that out, <laughs> pull out the all oh, the Democrats were trying to do this. Um, yeah, uh, and just staying with with what is actually going on. He said this. I don't doubt that many people in the Biden administration want Ukraine to win this war. That's a positive thing. I I agree with that. I think everyone in the administration wants Ukraine to win the war. Right. Even more so, he says, they want to enter another nuclear deal with Iran. Those two interests are in direct conflict. Right. Since they're helping Russia. Exactly. He is exactly right. Take the party politics out of it. Yeah. He's right. You cannot support Ukraine while also allowing Iran to continue funneling weapons to Russia and build a nuclear weapon. Yeah, that does seem like a conflict of interest. And I personally would love to hear other people's views on this. Maybe we'll get a few of those for next week. So Hopefully. email Kervin. Yeah. As we discuss, yeah. <laughs> don't email me. because. <laughs> let's have a discussion on a topic that has been out of the news for a little bit. North Korea. I guess they were itching for some attention. They are set to launch their spy satellites if Kim Jong-un is to believe to be believed. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, this week, you know, it was reported that North uh, North Korean surveillance satellite had undergone the final General Assembly checks. Those were personally looked at by Kim Jong-un. Right. I'm sure he understood the whole thing, too. Definitely. And signed off on it and said it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also completed space environment tests. Space environment tests the key issue because before you can launch it, you've got to understand that it's going to stay there. <laughs> in, yeah. In, in, space. In, in space. So that's a key component to it. It was reported to be ready for loading and launch, uh, but there was no specific date mentioned. So we just don't know right now. What is the strategic importance of this particular satellite launch? So Kim emphasized its significance in countering perceived escalations by what he said, quoting him here, the U.S. imperialists and the (laughs) South Korean puppet villains. Just incredible quote uh, from (gasps) Kim Jong-un. I love that. (laughs) I mean, if if you are going to, you know, that's so creative. That's how you do it. That's so creative. Now, I'm not proud saying, of him. I agree with what he said. I'm just no, saying. no, no, no. That just well, the put, choice of words. You yes, know? very um, nice. So the launch is seen as an urgent requirement, and that is because of North Korean national security. And Kim says this is because he sees joint military exercises between the U.S. and South Korea as preparations for an invasion of Korea. Right? No one <laughs> wants your country. <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, that's exactly. So um, national wow. security anywhere across the globe is seen by leaders as the easiest way to get what you want. You just say, slap national security on it, and everybody's right. going to give it to you. Right. So Kim's using that to redirect money from other programs into these military products because he's telling his people they're about to be invaded by an adversarial country. Oh no my one God, wants that's that. so scary that he's yeah. just saying this to get people worried yeah and then and they trust everything that he says uh, yeah. that's that's their leader and so they are terrified right now probably yeah absolutely but 
that all of that has given him carte blanche to spend money on developing nuclear weapons. Yeah. Advancing North Korea's missile systems and also developing and launching these surveillance satellites. Honestly, national security is an easy sell because that is the main role of a government, you know, to protect its people. I just hate to see that some of these leaders use it to manipulate their citizens in order to keep power or suppress protests. Yeah, and that's that's very well said. And I know you you and I personally, we believe that there are leaders out there in governments who actually do care for the people. Right. They're doing good things for their people, and that should be highlighted. But, you know, that's just a conversation for another day. <sighs> well, do you have anything else for us this week? Uh, no, I wish I had some good news, but that, that Maybe seems next to be week. everything. Um, how about the good news is it's our anniversary today. That is true. Happy Nothing anniversary. This is a, a personal anniversary, not with the business or the podcast or anything (laughs) like that. That's our wedding anniversary today, so. Yep. Yep, we still like each other, guys. Anyways, I just (laughs) want to throw that out there. Thank you for listening to our humble, independent, geopolitical podcast. I hope you found it informative and engaging. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, please let us know. I mean, Curvin. <laughs> and if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, follow us on Instagram at Oakland Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next time, stay safe out there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.